church, welcome. I know we're just getting in and greeting one another. But you know what you what you don't want to do is leave God waiting in the waiting room. <laughs> Have you ever been to a doctor's appointment and you you're already 20 minutes past the supposed window? supposed to meet with the doctor and how annoying that is <laughs> right well imagine imagine god the lord of all and we say we're coming to meet with you but he's always left waiting I mean, that's a reality he's come to expect but it's something that we want to shift out of to elevate that sense of importance because when we are gathering and when we are praying, and when we are saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Really, God is evaluating, weighing, and judging our capacity to focus on the eternal realm of the kingdom of heaven. And, to, and, and he's wondering, are these people, do they really understand what it is that they're doing? when they're saying, Holy Spirit, come. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would begin to elevate our sense of what it is that's happening when we gather. I pray, God, that you would begin to elevate our sense of the importance of our role in saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. bless him. Let's worship him with all of our hearts this morning. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open the seal and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took out the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, 
the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain. spirit is still gripped
Because the eyes of the Lord are looking. Where? Where is the place of my rest? This is what the desire of the Father is. Is there a place ready for me? that sound. I was thinking of World War II and I was thinking of the shifting administrations of what happens when an army advances like, you know, into a place like Europe. And the truth is before the first wave lands on the beach, the center, the, uh, uh, the headquarters of that advance is not anywhere near that front edge because until a place of safety is established, the the centerpiece of the administration of that enterprise will be a great distance from the front wave. But here's what happens. As the land begins to be occupied, as order begins to happen, as order begins to settle in, the administrative 
operations, the headquarters where the generals and the colonels and the majors begin to meet, it moves from a distant place to that land where the first wave came. So what happens is God is saying, listen, I am looking for the kingdom to come to the earth. You have seen and you have talked about the first wave. And the first wave is when people get saved. It's when the dead are raised. It's when somebody is touched by the glory of God. And there is that initial alignment between heaven and earth. Souls, souls are moved by heavenly power. This is the initial administration of the kingdom of God on earth. But there's more to come. There's more to come. There's more to come. More to come. There's more to come. I, I just see these outlines of various classes of angelic beings. It's like, it's like higher and higher expressions. Don't stop, Ty. Don't stop. Don't stop. Higher and higher expressions in the same way that we see in the natural before... It's like that movie, uh, We Were Soldiers, when they were warring in Vietnam, and when they sent a colonel, and there was a colonel on the ground, and when it looked like looked like it was dangerous, the first thing what they wanted to do is pull out the colonel, because we don't want to risk the higher levels of administration, that we don't want to put them in jeopardy. And similarly, there is this thing where the queen does not come and the king does not come to a place where there isn't already an established zone, where there isn't already some order, some things in place. And so actually the administrative levels of the kingdom of heaven increase as the land is ready. And we have prophetic words and everybody's saying, oh, we want, we want to have revival. We want to have an outpouring. We want to see the administration of heaven in earth. But the question is, what can you host? What can you host? What can you receive? How long can you wait? How much can you make it not about you? Because believe me, hosting the presence of God means delayed gratification. And you may think it means, oh, more of more stuff for me. And it does, but that's a consequence and not an immediate outcome. That's a long-term consequence. And God is saying, who loves my presence? Who is willing? <laughs> Man, oh, you see, we have this mistaken idea that, oh, no, we would defer to the Lord. We would defer to the Lord. We would, we would sacrifice anything for the Lord. 
But God has created a system where he says, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to test you. And the way I test you is not I'm going to come and see if you make room for me, but I'm going to send others in my place that are that are lesser levels of what I am. That means they're, they're increasing measures of imperfection. Hello. What you see in front of you in terms of a man here that's anointed is imperfection. And here's the thing is if you cannot handle me, you cannot handle him. If you cannot handle Chris, you cannot handle him. If you cannot handle your neighbor, if you cannot walk in peace with brothers and sisters, then you can't handle him. We think the opposite. We think, no, 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 I could handle perfection. No, you can't. No, you can't. And I've preached about this again and again. There's something in our flesh that always wants to be the biggest man in the room. There's something in us that when we have an area of influence and somebody comes in that might upset that apple cart, that might displace, you know, we might become second or third. We like, no, no, go away. We don't want you here because I have this little fiefdom in place. And right now I'm the best hockey player. Right now I'm the best at this and everybody knows I'm the best. And you come in and I mean, they make sitcoms about this kind of thing. You know, the, the brilliant uh, scientists on, you know, what's that show? Big Bang Theory. You know, the, this other genius comes in and all of a sudden the guy who's esteemed to be the most brilliant, does he welcome this? Does he, is he oh great, another mind to excite me, another mind to, to challenge my lack of intelligence. No, he hates that guy. I've seen it. I have seen it. I have seen it. When somebody comes in who is more anointed than other pastors, they don't welcome that anointing unless there's some way that that anointing will increase them and then go away so they can just shine more. No, there is an, there's an enmity. There is a resentment. There is a competition because he might steal my thunder. What is that? It is what we see at the core of Lucifer. I will exalt myself. It is the cause of dissension. It is the cause of division. It's the reason why God cannot come. It's the reason why God cannot stay. And it's not somebody else's problem. It's not the church down the road who doesn't accept our doctrine of the Holy Spirit. It's something we all suffer with. We all suffer with it. And God is saying, will you give it up? 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 church history is punctuated with this challenge because we love uh, we love seniority you know what seniority is it's a union concept it's most identified with the unions but it's it's actually part of human nature it, it, it really is that thing that if I was here longer than you, then I'm more important than you, then I should be higher than you. And anything that displaces seniority is bad. 
And so when God causes somebody to be born again from the streets and they come in and suddenly they're operating at a higher level of revelation or anointing than people in the church. Do you think that's welcome by the church? It is not. It is not. It is not. Now, there's some good reasons why, you know, we don't fully receive everything in, that's going on. But largely, largely, the, the impetus for this has been discriminatory because I don't want to be seen as less. God. So we're saying, Lord. You first, you Lord, you Lord, you Lord, you Lord. Father, Father. see, Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And what does that mean? Oh, I would never, I would never reject you, Jesus. I would never try to take your place. I would never be the one to crucify you. But that guy that you sent who thinks he's all that, I really don't like him because it's just pride. He's just full of pride thinks he could prophesy and do that and okay so he's had a few resurrections from the dead but you know even, even Satan does wonders there's something that has to be dealt with inside of us there is something there is there's enmity there is something inside of us that the apostle paul said it's not just bad it's not it doesn't just need redeeming it is hostile to god himself and he said paul said it's inside of me it's in my flesh So this morning when I, when I began to pray, I, I felt that this passage from Revelations 5, which, which I read part of the earlier, earlier, I thought, man, there, there are things that happen. There are things that are going now, on right now, in invisible places. There are things that are happening. Let me tell you, uh, I realized a few years ago that I was skeptical of anything that somebody said happened if it was greater than what happened to me. I, real, I realized if somebody starts saying they had an experience and it's supernatural, they were caught up to heaven, I, 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 I'm just right away, yeah, whatever. My, my impulse is to not believe that. And for the longest time, I was the guy that others didn't believe. <laughs> you know, and I was frustrated by that. I thought, what's the matter with you people? And then I started to see that, oh, I'm inclined to do that too.
And yeah, there are going to be people who come around and lie. There are going to be people who come and represent. And if, if we have a culture where angels are important and angel, angelic visitations, there are going to be people coming in who say they had angelic visitations and were caught up here and there who didn't and weren't. Which is fine. Because the truth is there's going to be other fruits that accompany those things. But here's the problem. Our disposition is to disbelieve anything that happens beyond us. Why? Because we consider ourselves to be the epicenter of what God does. I mean, like it or not, anything that happens that did happen to me first is suspect. Do you think you are that you think that was God? Why do you think the denominations down the generations that said anything that happens that didn't happen here is demonic? Oh, Holy Spirit fell over there, whatever, demons. What we don't realize is we have the same impulse, we just don't know it. So my my quest is I, I suspect that when I feel that 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 thing and I I know what it feels like I just I just I just try to kill it because I look here in Revelations five and I see there's things happening in the spirit I mean do, have you ever read Revelations I mean think about this verse six of chapter five. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though he had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. When's the last time, when's the last time you talked about the seven spirits of God? What does that even mean? The seven spirits of God. I thought the Holy Spirit was a person, not seven. Is the Holy Spirit, you know, schizophrenic? Like, what does that mean? I don't know. I do not know. But, but we create a theology and it feels so safe to us because we think we know, but we don't know. We know barely anything. We know barely anything. And God is saying, if you only would reach out to me, there's things I want to bring to you, things I want to show you. I think about end times. I, I think all the speculation that goes on. And I, I look at what Paul was writing, how he, he talked about, he's encouraging the Thessalonians. He said, remember when I came to you and I spoke about these things? And I'm thinking, God, Take me up to heaven. I want to really understand. I'm done with speculating about things. Where is the revelation? Where is the apostolic gospel? Where is the fullness? Are we really meant to just sit down here and quibble about what might be or may not be? Or is God looking for a people who will seek him and say, God, we know almost nothing. Would you show us? Would you show us? 
And do you know what really keeps us from growing so slowly, moving so slowly, is we believe we got most of it. struck me about this scene in heaven is first that there are things going on that clearly demonstrate that the center of kingdom activity is not yet on earth I want you to think about this Jesus is coming back. Jesus returning. And for most of us, that's this standalone event that we hope happens soon. Or at least until we're married and had kids. Or whatever experience is in your bucket list. Like, don't Lord come before this happens for me. Right? We, but the truth is, we're looking at an event. God is not looking at an event. The coming of the Lord is not this solitary uh, action of God saying, "Okay, all right, they're they're on their last at their last on their last whim, their last breath, their last." You better go and save them. No, Jesus said, "I am sat down at the right hand of the throne of God." And the Father said, "Until your enemies are made your footstools." In other words, you're not coming in, you know, to fix everything, that there is an established presence. Father, in Jesus' name, awaken us to things that are happening that are allowing for visitation, that are allowing. Lord, what, what kinds of angelic presences have you sent? What administrations are in the air and in the region here? And what would it take for something else to happen? See, we have to realize that for something, for a region to become like a Bethel, like an epicenter of the kingdom of God on earth, it's not just, oh, that would be great if God decided to do that. No, God decides to do something because there is compliance. Compliance. We see this in business all the time. When one company buys another company, the first thing that comes in is they start to order the structure and the policies. They start to bring compliance. This is how we do it. I don't care how you used to do it. This is how we do it. And God is saying, Jesus is returning to a people that have fully embraced compliance. So, Father, we want to stop balking at your desire for compliance. When I think of how many years it's taken for God to put his finger on certain things inside of me, it, it, it almost seems hopeless. But I don't want to say it is hopeless because I know it's not. But I'm thinking, how, God, are you going to do this? How are you going to get people saved 
and get them so quickly. I mean, if it took me this long, what kind of anointing, what kind of presence is it going to take to shift people 10 times faster so that you don't have to leave again because there isn't compliance? It's going to start with glory, a presence, an honor. What does that look like for us? Well, all your lists of things of what others should do for you in relationship to the church, get rid of it. All of your expectations, well, this is how I want church to go. This is, you know, because we shop for churches like we shop for restaurants. And the ones that really meet our needs, you know, that, oh, I'm going to go there. Because they sing Bethel songs. Or they don't sing Bethel songs. God is saying, my eyes are looking, my eyes are looking, and I feel the jealousy and the desire of the Father. And I feel like there is a people emerging that just are tired of church. They're tired of the administrations. They are tired of things that are born of men being passed off as things of God. And they're just saying, God, more than anything, I'll lose everything if it means getting your glory. All the things we think are important, what if we could just lay them down? dynamic around this. I'm just going to spend a couple of minutes talking about it because I see time is slipping by. But when Moses had met with God and it came down and you go and look at it, the description of it the, from the Apostle Paul's vantage point is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is what he said. He said, Moses had gone up to the mountain and he came down and he put a veil over his face and this is how this is what he says to hide that which was passing away that which was passing away and so he's, this is what I want to take out from that Moses goes up and he, he is in the presence of the Lord for like a long time He's up there a long time, so much so that they decide that, you know, some people decide he's dead. Let's create our own gods, you know. I mean, that took some time. But he's up there and he's gone. I mean, you want to talk about being caught up in the presence of the Lord and not noticing the passing of time. I think it was 40 days. He's caught up in the presence of God and he comes down and his face is glowing with this reflective glory, I mean, he has absorbed some of this substance of God. But here's what here's what Paul says. But it's it's a glory that's passing away. It's a glory that's diminishing. Why? Because because the whole paradigm on which it's based is is momentary interaction withdrawal, and the result is. The highest points are always in your past. The highest moments. This, is, this has been 
what happened in the church. People get touched, and then we spend weeks and months and sometimes years. Remember when? And then we'll sing the song we sang then, not repeating the, the experience, not revisiting the moment, but remembering it with fondness. And the music emotionally causes us to be attached to that moment. They all remember because, and that song is so meaningful to us, not because it's recreating that moment, but it's, it's causing our memory of that moment to be resurfaced. But the truth is the glory, that thing that was there is already fading as soon as you draw out of that moment. And we draw out of that moment because we don't know how we got there to start with. We don't know why it happened. You know, Azusa Street or, or this thing in Estonia. We don't know why it left. We don't know why it happened. I was just reading in the Psalms about, about this and, and it was talking about wisdom. Maybe it was Proverbs. It was talking about wisdom and it said the wicked don't know why things happen to them. I thought, oh, that almost sounds like a promise. Like God is saying, the righteous know why things happen. What if we could know what creates revival? What if we could know what would replicate the highest moment we have ever had and not only replicate it, but have even more than that and never again, never again will that fade, that every sub subsequent experience will be higher than the last one. Instead of always living weeks and months, you know, longing for a return of what we once had. You see, this is the reality of God. We can live in the residual. We can live in the wake of that which is passing away, or we can go from glory to glory, from glory to glory, from glory to glory, from glory to glory. There's something in us that makes us happy, satisfied with what is passing away, what God is saying. The church that's gonna overcome, the church that's going to see the kingdom of darkness crumble, the church that I build that, gets, that the gates of hell will not prevail against is one that goes from glory to glory, not just from one fond moment to another, not just replicating. Oh, you remember where we did that? This is the human way of doing things. We we can't re we can't have that moment again, so we replicate it. But it's always lesser than the first. And God has said, I'm the God of the first. I'm the God of the greater. I'm the God who wants to take you higher, higher, higher. So the question becomes for us. If, I mean, if if you're thinking about it right now. The greatest thing, the greatest touch you ever had, how long ago was it? How long ago? Four weeks? Maybe if you're a new Christian. Four years, maybe. How long does it take for us to reorient out of something to want the more? How long does it take for us to realize am he settling for just remembering that moment is not good enough? 
See, that's what it takes, desperation. Denominations get touched. They get birthed out of a moment. Pentecost was birthed out of a moment. Azusa Street, you know, uh, you know, early 1900s, something hit. People wanted more of it, but really it, it kind of crushed it, and they've been living in the residual for 80 years. And if you look at denominations, the older the denomination, the more eager they are for something new because the further they are from that point where they were birthed. And they, we want that. We want that. And that's why the angel, when he was visiting John G. Lake, pointed to Acts chapter 2 and he said, Seek this. Seek this. What is he saying? He said, This is not just a one off. This isn't, wasn't just supposed to happen to those guys and you look back fondly, oh, it wasn't that amazing. No, it's written for your example so that you have something to contend for. But we only contend for what we believe is possible. And whether it's unworthiness or lack of discipline or lack of compliance on our part, something keeps us in the past. Something keeps us looking back. Hoping, oh, wouldn't it be great to have another moment like that and God to say, I, I got more than that. I've got more than that. So let me finish with this. Something is coming and it's coming here. But when it comes, can it stay? Can it stay? Can it stay? Are we going to suddenly get full of ourselves and I'm the great apostle, you you know, and, and on and on it goes. Like, it's the idolatry of owning something God did that it causes God to want to take it back. But this is the promise we have. Our people are going to understand what it is he wants. And they're not going to own it. They're going to they're going to cast down their crowns again and again. I, I read that. I think, well, how often do they cast down their crowns? Because apparently they keep doing it over and over. So you people that don't like repetition, just saying. How often do we have to cast down our crowns? Uh, at least once more. How often do I have to repent? At least once more. So he's saying, who, who can hear my heart? Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where's the house you can build for me? And, he, and of course, the context of that is we like to build buildings. We like to build representations in the natural monuments to a moment. But God is saying, I want a living vessel I can live in. A people I can clothe with my glory who will be my arms and my legs and my eyes and my ears and my voice so Lord
of your presence, Lord. More of your presence. We yield the highest place to you. We yield the highest place to those you will send. We want your kingdom. So we say your kingdom come.